Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's up? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out here. It is Thursday. Yep. Got the NFL playoffs. We're going to break those down. Uh, there's some crazy finishes in college basketball. We'll get to that a little bit later. I think we have a really good uh, leftover segment today. Yeah. Because some hockey players are giving cliches. So I love it. get into that. Uh, I am casual today. Not only casual on top, but casual on the bottom. Like, I'm yeah, full TMI, sweats. Bro. Nobody needs I'm to full know. sweats today. <laughs> Who needs you know all that I, information, no, no, bro? <laughs> well, sometimes I like to give the uh, viewers right. context. <laughs> okay. Like, it doesn't feel as bad in here. Like, when I'm on HQ and right. I put on a suit and then you have sweats underneath, it feels a little weird. Like, I feel... This is kind of my uniform. Did you go sweatshirt under your blazer on HQ today? No, I did not. You I've didn't done do it that? before. Right. Yeah, I've done it before. I don't have a problem with that necessarily, but it's got to be weather relevant. Like it's got to be current with the weather. It was nice like, and chilly in, out today. Yeah. So yeah. it would have been, it would have been something, but right. I can't go like, you'd have to go dress it up a little bit. Dress more. sweater, like a zip, a zip sweater, uh, yeah. Yeah, sweater, little, sweatshirt type of deal. Yeah. A little bit yeah, nicer. I got look. you. Not beast coast. Did you see what Deshaun Watson was wearing at the game? Cause he got some. Balenciaga. Yeah. That shirt. It was pretty tight. It was tough. Boy, was, you didn't like it? It was tough. No, I liked it. Oh, yeah. Tough in a good way. Yeah, yeah, Trying tough. to get to make sure we're on yeah, the same. Yeah, tough. So, <laughs> he, so he took some heat for being at the game. Then yesterday, I liked it because he actually called some dudes out. Uh. Some guy said, Hey, if you're, cause he, he responded to some troll on Twitter that said, why were you at the game? Like, and he said, Oh, well, what like am it. I supposed to do? Said something right. like that. And then some guy said, well, if you're going to go to the game, at least dress up and look the part. And he was so – he fired back at him too. Yeah. He's like, what am I supposed to wear? He's like – and he said, he's like, I had on the shirt, my colors, my team colors because they're purple and orange. Right. And he found the purple Balenciaga, which Yaga. probably cost more than anything that dude – maybe that other dude's entire right. wardrobe. So I know this is a sports show, but allow me real quick. Yeah. This Christmas came and went, right? Yeah. When did 11-year-olds and 10-year-olds start one in like – Gucci belts. Oh boy. Gucci slides. Yeah. Like Louis V belts. I mean, everything on the list is Gucci down. And I, and the conversation with my kids is like, look, daddy doesn't own a lot of Gucci. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's, you guys shouldn't be putting stock in Gucci and Louis V and, and like, because some idiot on Instagram says that you need some Gucci slides. Like you're 11, bro. I think this is a product one of, well, I think where we live in South Florida, there's a lot of money and there's a lot of spoiled children. Right. But it's funny because funny you said that because I had a daughter. I was taking her to the mall the other day. We were shopping for her mom's gift. Yeah. So we were looking in the shoe department and my daughter goes, Oh, mommy will like those Gucci's. Yeah. And she's like, my friend has those shoes. You're like what? Like $600 shoes. I'm like, hold on a second. I'm like, which? So she told me which friend. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. She's like, yeah. She's like, I want, can I get some? I'm like, if I hit the lottery, I would never buy this for you. I just, a 10 or 11 year old doesn't need to be wearing that type of stuff. I have kids. I'm with you, Danny. See, the problem have... is that you, I do have some Gucci in the closet. I do too. I got a Gucci bag, but like I earned it. Like, <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, exactly. what are you talking about? Um, exactly. So, but so we're preaching no like products, but here's the other thing. This is what really, this is another one that bothers me. 11 year olds on Instagram with like wads of cash laid out on their bed, like Gucci belt and like, and, and, and Louis V like slides. I'm right. like, when, when did, who's watching this kid? Exactly. There are problems there. My kid ain't gonna be friends with those kids. That's what <laughs> uh, you know, somebody who could afford a Gucci belt, Gucci bag, whatever they want. Yeah. Kyler Murray. Yeah. No he doubt. got that 4.6 from the Oakland A's when he was drafted, uh, ninth overall, but. For Kyler, he might be looking for a bigger payday because he is expected to now declare for the NFL draft, which is a fascinating decision because for the most part, the 
his camp, Scott Boros, who's a predominantly, you know, it's a famous baseball agent. Yeah. He's cut it's like A-Rod and all those, yeah, all the got, big guys, right? All the big guys. He kind of owns all of them. He's been his agent, said, nope, he's going to do one year at Oklahoma, and then he's baseball. Yeah. Owning them doesn't sound good. <laughs> Wait, he said he kind of owns all of them. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he has a lot of clients. So he has apparently made it known to some people who are in the know that yeah. he wants to play uh, in the NFL, so he wants to declare for the draft. This is one of the most fascinating draft evaluations I think we'll have in the last 10 years mm -hmm. because only if he was just a quarterback and he just played at Oklahoma, I think it would be interesting. Right. But you throw all this other, you know, nuance into the conversation and it makes it even tougher to evaluate. I think – so here's where I put Kyler Murray because it's real, it is really tricky. If he was just football, right. I would say he'd probably go in the latter portion of the first round. I think okay. you'd see some team that would take a flyer on him. But here's what's kind of interesting is he Baker Mayfield just went number one overall. Baker Mayfield played the same system. Kyler Murray played that system, had a better year, was more productive and more efficient. So right. why isn't he going number one overall? Yeah, and Baker translated. Yeah, at the next level. So like you know, how much bigger is Baker than 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 Kyler? So that's I think that's the crux of the issue because I think the size is an issue in Kyler Murray's uh, instance. He's about two inches shorter than Baker Mayfield. Baker's probably, I think he was six oh, like six one at the right. combine, maybe just under six one, like six and a half inch. Kyler Murray right now is listed at five eleven. I think he's going to be way closer to five ten, and he might be like five nine and seven eight. That's tough. So this this supports your argument if he if you think he's going to measure like that that he should not. Yeah, that's why I think that could be his worst case scenario because the only thing that's going to happen with a guy like him who has questionable size is when he gets there, they're going to scrutinize and it's all people are going to talk about. Where if you don't go to the common, if you go to spring training and you're with the A's, it's a, it's a, it's a real risk though because NFL teams could be like, what are you hiding? Right. But if you're him, you're like, Hey, I have this job. I'm supposed to be here. I want to be out. my team. Go look at the tape. Like, and I just won the Heisman. Yeah, I just won the Heisman. I just took my team to the playoffs. Go look at the tape. I did the same thing Baker Mayfield did. Go look, go look at the tape because the only thing now his 40 time would impress. Right. You know, like he would, he would absolutely got a cannon. impress there. He's got a cannon. So he would do that. But I do think that the height would be a factor. Um, this, this is a tough one because so look, let's just do the numbers, right? Like baseball, you got the $4.6 million sign-in bonus. Lamar Jackson was the 32nd pick in the draft, got a four-year deal, $9 million, 7.5 guaranteed upon signing, right? Uh, in football, he would get to his second contract after that four-year deal, a one-year team option, presumably, right? Yep. And now he's back to a new deal at about 27 years old. He's into a second deal. Right. Go on the baseball route the way I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong. But you, you get this bonus, but then you have to go through whatever time it takes you in the minors. Yeah. And two, two years is a relatively short time to be in the minors. Right. So you're talking about two to three years, let's, let's say, um, on a, on a minor league deal. Right. You're, you're making chump change. Chump change. Now, when you get to the majors, a five year rookie deal becomes in place. You're not talking about getting to that second payday until you could be, you know, mid thirties, possibly right early third or not mid, but early thirties. I just think financially, if you love both sports the same, yeah, that, that football may make sense, but it, it's really interesting because he's never really come out. He's been really shrewd about not giving any glimpse into like what, what his heart tells him to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whether he likes football more or whether he likes baseball more, he hasn't even in interviews, you know, even subconsciously let it slip. He's right. been really shrewd about that. I would say, cause I, my hunch is he probably loves both. Yeah. Which is the way I was. And right. I hated having to give up one. I wish we could live in a world where it could work out. Where you could get drafted in the first round, 
play baseball with the A's, and then as soon as the A's are done, like as soon as training camp starts, he says, "All right, I'm going to go do my football job and right. go play for the or go play for whoever drafts him in, in football." The reality of the situation is teams are more selfish than that. They're like, "Hey, if we're going to pay him a first round money in NFL, we're not going to give him up." And the A's are like, "We just paid him four and a half million. We're not going to give him up and let right. him go get hurt playing." If football. we if we compare him to Russell Wilson, which everybody seems to do, I think. Like, what if the better bet for him is to not get drafted in the first round, and then you only have the four-year deal, which Russell Wilson did. He got his second contract, and they gave him $30 million in his fourth year in the league. I think that could be a – that's a pretty good observation because I think that would be the best case. Or, like, look at Lamar Jackson played in the playoffs this year because he was on a better team. Even if he goes later first round or second round to a better team, that's always your better option. Because I get you want all the money in your pocket up front, but sometimes, and Brock Osweiler was a situation like this when he was in Denver and he decided to take the big payday sure. in Houston. At the time, I was like, I think this is a mistake because he knows the system. He's on a better team in Denver coming off the Super Bowl. I thought he should have stayed there for about $4 million less. It wasn't that much. Now, $4 million is a ton of money. But I think maybe his career pans out differently if he's in a better system that's familiar with him, that he's familiar with the surroundings. And I think this might be one where Kyler Murray might be better off if he doesn't go number one overall to a bad team and goes a little bit later with less money, but he can get to that second contract. Um, so where do you think he is in, in the conversation in terms of this year's quarterback crop? Cause it's, it's, he's it's, two, a, it's an think, anemic quarterback I, oh crop. Oh yeah. That's, right? and I mean, that's probably another reason why he's coming out is right. I got to capitalize. Cause I do think this is his, you got to strike while it's hot and he is hot right now. Dwayne Haskins will be the number one. Clearly, no, clearly number one. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying number one overall. No, but clearly the number I, one quarterback in the yeah. case. Like there's no, you're not even. Cause he ha- he's got it all. Like prototypical statistically, size. Statistically, he was right there. And I thought, I thought Dwayne Haskins was actually overlooked in the Heisman race. Like mm-hmm. I thought he had a fantastic year, but he also fits the mo- the mold. Like he's sure. six five, he's two thirty, he can run. Yeah. He's not Kyler Murray running, but he's got mobility. He's he's what will go first, and then Kyler, in my opinion, would go number two because there is a pretty significant drop off. Drew Locke maybe will you know if he impresses kid from Kyler. Missouri. Yeah, yeah, he's okay, but you know I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Kyler Murray and what he decides. Will Greer. Uh, yeah, Will Greer piping in on the West Virginia guy who skipped his bowl game. I'm sorry, I won't rip on players that do it except for quarterbacks. You got to stay with your team. Yeah, why is that weird for me? Why is that well, like he bothers a, you too? Yeah, and I support guys missing their bowl game. <laughs> right. I've been very frank about that. Right. But for quarterbacks, it's like it's a little different. Right, it, it is because you and like here's where I like it really gets like down in the nitty gritty. So like your offensive lineman who have been there for four years with you, and I know he transferred. So let's say they've been there for two years. With yeah, you. but still. They've been putting their body on the line for you, blocking for you the whole year. You don't like those senior guys that want to go out with a win. Hey, yeah. Are, are yeah, the starting left out. tackle, the starting left tackle skipped the bowl game. Oh, they, yeah, so that's then he's a bum too. Yeah. They get him out of here. But what about the other guys on that team the only, that, that want to? They'll never get paid a Will, dime. They'll never get drafted. They just want to go out with a win because it's their last time ever putting on the pads. Will Grew was injured this year, though, right? Was he like hurt he was Coco? he was hurt a few yeah, times. A injury. Oh, he didn't miss that much time. I think he missed a little bit, but he's like. I mean, that would be the only look. If you know that you're a fragile dude, like, and you know what I mean, like yeah. that would be the only excuse I give you. But yeah, it but does feel different. But then if you're a fragile dude, why would I take you if I'm an NFL team? Because you're gonna have to survive. Uh, but somebody you know? can take a swing. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. All right, let's look at uh, some of the NFL coaching hirings because there were some more announced yesterday. You're really seeing this thing start to heat up full force. The Jets. Mike McCarthy was rumored. He says, no, Matt Rule, the head coach of Baylor, which I think says a lot about the, the whole process That's, that they're stretching for yeah. Baylor's head coach right now. Which, and then they go make maybe a more questionable decision because they hired Adam Gase, who 
I would say it wasn't a disaster, but it clearly wasn't a success with the Miami Dolphins just gets fired. They bring him in again. It goes back to what teams are looking for. The trend is younger works with quarterbacks, offensive mind. Let's bring him in here to work with Sam Darnold. I don't love this hire. I don't think it's, and this goes deeper than, because first of all, let's look at the quarterbacks he's worked with. Peyton Manning, I think I could have coached Peyton Manning that season. At his point in his career, he was running the offense. He yes. had to fly on his own. Just get out of his way. Jay Cutler, like, they had a good year. Did they, did they do anything? Did they win? Did they go to, they have a great season? No, no, like, I don't, I don't know. So. And then Ryan Tannehill, who he maximized the most of his talent. Like it was okay. 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Those aren't Hall of Fame numbers. Yeah. So the, here's the deal. I'm with you, dude. And here's the deal with, with, um, Adam Gase. If he was a quarterback guru and, and there was some evidence to support that, I'm okay with you hiring him, even though he's coming from a team within your division. Maybe he took the last three years to really develop his head coaching chops. Like, cause he wasn't a great head while he was here. He got into some, you know, and I talked about this on air. He couldn't he, even relate to his players. Yeah, he lost the locker room. Ran off with all, Jarvis Landry. He ran off everybody. Yeah. He ran off everybody. If it wasn't his way, he kicked them out. Like, that, that is like an old school mentality. But let's say that you've, like, honed those skills over the last three years and you come out of this, this, uh, this, uh, this as a better head coach and now you're ready to go to the Jets. But you still haven't given me any proof that you are a quarterback whisperer. Right. Like, by evidence, by the numbers that you put up there, um, except for the Peyton thing and the Peyton thing was Peyton. Like you just got out right. of Peyton's way. So, but all of these other teams have told you, right? Like it, we want a young guy, innovative mind offensively to help usher in this new young breed of quarterback. Cause the league is obviously about quarterbacks. Now I support that. I just think you missed with him because he hasn't proven to you that he's a quarterback whisperer. Here's what bothers me about this whole thing. And this is where I think these NFL teams get way too much of a pass. If you're going to fire your coach, you better get somebody better. Right. I don't know if this is better than Todd Bowles. I don't even. I get the record, like, but Todd Bowles was ten and six his first year. Then he had a five win, five win, and a four win season. Hey, come so on, three man. years. But he didn't have his quarterback. He had a rookie quarterback this last season. They were littered with injuries. I thought the biggest problem the Jets had was the talent. They didn't have any on their roster. Right. Is that Todd Bowles' fault? That's the GM's fault, who they didn't fire. Right. And it, here's what you could have done. You could have made a change at offensive coordinator and then still fired a young guy to work with your your quarterback, Sam Darnold, and then you have stability on the defense because defense was okay. I don't know. It just, it just reeks of me of change just for change's sake. It's like, generally speaking now, across uh, just sports in general, like you don't give guys enough time. And I know right. I'm quick to say like with the Miami situation and Mark Rick, but he really didn't have enough time. Like right. that's not a time. When you're taking over a program – or an organization and you're coming in with a new philosophy and you're trying to change like maybe a, a, a decade of old thought and, and old mentality. You can't affect that type of change in two or three years. Three years isn't enough to do that. And so a lot of these teams are out there because everyone does it now. Like they panic early. They get rid of a guy and now you're caught in this vicious cycle of if this doesn't work out in three years with the new guy, guess what we got to do with him? Exactly. And you're just stuck in that. Like, and to me makes no, if you're patient sometimes and it's really tough for an owner, but you got to go out there and sell. Be like, no, this is our guy. This is what we're going to do. We're gonna stick with him. We're, we're going to build around build something it. Something special. Yeah. There's a reason the Steelers are one of the better franchises in the NFL because they had, uh, Chuck Knoll, then they had Bill Cower, and then they had Mike Tomlin, yeah. and that is it in the last 30, 40 years. Right. Because they've stood behind their guy. Even this year, there are people put clamoring for Mike Tomlin saying, oh, what's going on? They're going to stick with him, and they should. And it's a reason they have a lot of success. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back, Kenel and Bell. Do you remember any of your coaches' like motivational speeches? Was there any like was there a guy you played for that it was like, oh yeah, you just wanted to run through a wall for him? Yeah, my college coach was good, Shaky Rodriguez. I don't remember any oh, of them verbatim, but he he gets you motivated. Yeah, play. yeah. Because like I I would like honestly, I could play for really good coaches. Dan yeah. Reeves probably gonna be in the hall. Mike Shanahan sure. won a couple Super Bowls. They were all right. Like it was like didn't do anything. Yeah. I was like, but they were just. It was more like tactical. Like this is what we need to do. This is business. This is it. Let's right. do it. So I was like, it was all right. Um, I think Sean Payton did one of the most impactful visuals I think you'll ever see. Yeah. So yesterday at Saints practice, they're all coming or at their meeting, their team meeting. All of a sudden, you see these four state troopers walk in, and they got this big bag. Yeah. And they go and they walk in and they're escorted and they lay it on the table. They open it up. They start unloading $250,000 cash, just uh, bricks, put uh, it on the table right there. Uh, and all the team's like, what is going on? And Sean Payton said to the team, he's like, you guys want some of that? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, right. He's like, win three bleeping games and it's yours. And everybody like goes nuts and you're right, probably right, right. practice. I think that is though, if you want to motivate players, use money. Right. Like it really is the best motivator of all. Like I've always been a firm believer. If you could start a league, like the XFL did this, remember the crazy, you know, football yeah. league, they actually did a lot of incentive based pay. Like it was going to be the winning team was going to get 20 and the losing team was going to get 10. Sure. You play a little bit harder, even if it's not that much. Cause I get there are guys that $250,000. It's actually the payout is 201,000 for the playoff bonus, like your playoff bonus all put together. Is that, let me ask you a question. Is it, is it slotted in the NFL? Like, or everyone, if Every they won a player. Super Bowl, but everyone, Every team has the potential to make the same amount if it they won the Super Bowl. a little bit every more. So you'll get – actually, you'll get playoffs. So the team, even if you lose the first round of the playoffs, like the uh, Texans. Right. And I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins donated his post his playoff game check to help the girl that was uh, – you know, the horrific tragedy that was out there. Yeah. You can do that. So you'll get – like I think it was 35000 for the first round. And then the second round, everybody – both teams – Get fifty. Okay. And then NFC, AFC Championship game, you get seventy five. The Super. So, but all of it, if you win those games, if you win out, the total of all that money combined, right, two hundred one thousand. So that's interesting because the NBA incentivizes it a little bit more, right? Like, cause, so you're slotted like the number one team in the league if they should win the championship gets more playoff money than the number two team in the league. Really? Number two gets more than number three. So if you have the best regular season in your number one team and then you win the championship, like your playoff bonus is is like off the charts. Off the charts. And you only have thirteen or fourteen guys in the roster. Dude, I'm gonna listen, <laughs> when I got to Philly and I, I when I got to Philly and I barely played in Philly that year. Um and I got there and you know I was making what I made. I had got guaranteed money from San Antonio, so it wasn't like I was still living on CBA checks. But when we went through the playoffs, I had a small impact in the playoffs, like yeah. bigger now, like um, than than it ever really was, because I think some of that's like the mystique of like the playoffs that year. But the happiest day of my life was sitting in there the day after we lost to the Lakers at home, and I'm just waiting. And are they going to give me a full playoff share? Right. Like, I'm asking around, what's a full playoff share look like? How much is that? Right. And I'm like expecting a quarter of a playoff share. Right. They came out of that like captains meeting, and they were like, "Young fella, 
You can get a full playoff share. I that's just like found money. Yeah, man. That's just like found money. You go like get a little extra house. Oh, what? Vacation. At, at that time, it was like Averex jackets for me. <laughs> I was getting like new leather jackets. <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, Debo gave us a list of so the wild card round. Uh, wild card round to get 27,000. Divisional round, 29,000. Conference champion, 54,000. Super Bowl winner gets 118. Super Bowl loser gets 59. Okay. So it's still, all, it's all pretty good. Right. But like, you talk about the way money motivates. So I was on the Broncos. We'd get our game plan and they're really complex. It's like a full page and it's got like probably a hundred plays on it and there are formations on them. Mm -hmm. So the first couple of weeks of the season, like Jake Plummer was the starter and he was screwing up a couple of like the uh, formations. Right. And Mike Shanahan's like, well, we're getting, he's like, well, you know, I just didn't, you know, know him inside and out. So Mike Shanahan was like, that's a problem. Right. So he like got on us and then there was another week it went by. So he comes in one day to our quarterback. I mean, it's just our quarterback. He's like, all right, here's what I want to do. He's like, if you guys can go and you can memorize the entire play sheet, which is something you don't really typically see, he's like, I'll give you 500 bucks. And he's like, anybody in here, yeah. starters, backups, or me. So I was like, $500 cash. Yeah, I'm I need like, that. Take it. I need that. Even though we were all making I way more than no, that, it was like $500 Absolutely. cash. So we would all like, all of a sudden, like all we wanted to do was memorize the play sheet. <laughs> and it worked. We yeah. all did it. We all got, you had to get every single one too. Right. Not one little screw up. You weren't getting it. We all got it. Like we all, even Jake Plummer was making $10 million a year. He's like, I want the 500 Absolutely. Cash. It's crazy how 500 free money. <laughs> like, like, and there's something about seeing the crisp hundreds come whopping out. Like, like it's just. Mike D'Antoni used to do that with charges. It was like $50 a charge. <laughs> and yeah, I was making good money, more than I had ever made. Right. But if you were getting me $50 on top of that for every charge, Why not? Like, I'm taking charge. I led the league in charges that year. <laughs> That's it was fantastic. But here's, here, I, it runs into a problem for me, like motivating because I've dealt with this, like at a youth level. If you're going to motivate for things like making you like better and memorizing your play calls, one thing, uh, plays that will help a team. Yeah. Another thing, rebounds. That's cool. Charges. Like charges, cool. So when you start motivating kids for points, right, it become or or players for points, like that becomes an issue because now you start to skew whether like competitively he's competing to win or if he's just trying to get as many points as he can get to get paid, and that's at a youth level. And like their bonuses in some people's contracts, you average fifteen points or not. Right, I've talked about this before. I had it in my contract with Nike, yeah, like an extra two hundred and fifty k if I average fifteen. And I could have hunted those at the end of the season. I averaged like 14.7. Right. But like, you know, it was in our best interest to not do that. So right. you got to be careful with that. Yeah, you definitely have to because you don't want guys out there just thinking about their numbers. I mean, that's why I think winning is the best one. Sure. Like I thought Garrett Weddle, who got the – it was well publicized. He had the million-dollar bonus. It was for Pro Bowl, which means you're playing good all sure. year. Yeah. And it was for making the playoffs. Boom. And his team did. So yeah. Million. I like that one. Um, Steph Curry has launched a new basketball tour. It's called the Underrated Tour. And it's going to be a series of basketball camps designed to highlight underrated high school players. Mm -hmm. We had the argument before with Coker, our producer, who said he's not underrated, which I think he's crazy because all he got was really the offer to Davidson. He we goes there. To come on. Can he come on? Yeah, come pop on in right and talk. Tell us why he's underrated, Coker, because I think, or tell us why. No, he's I don't not. think he is. You can't be the son of a former NBA player, play on all these circuits with, uh, against Kevin Durant and still be an underrated guy. You can't. He had one, and, he had and, one and, scholarship and offer, bro. Do, it was from Davidson. Do the tour that, that when, is do the, the tour definition when you're a rookie. of underrated. Do it when you're a rookie, not when you're a two-time MVP. No, do but that's the best part well, about even, it. Now he's giving back. He's going back to help all the people that may like, have gotten overlooked because they were like him. He money grab, clearly money is grab, underrated. Money but grab. my whole, his whole life, even in the draft, we talked about this. What was he drafted, Danny? Ninth? Eighth. He, eighth. He had Johnny Flynn and Ricky Rubio go before him. Hashim <laughs> the beat. You don't think he's underrated? He went to Davidson for Christ's sake. He absolutely was underrated. Absolutely. Do you think this tour, which kicks off in LA January 19th, 
Like I, the, my first skepticism, I, yeah. I look at things with a skeptical eye. I'm like, is this a moneymaker? Is he just going to go out he, there? He's and take not it? that type of dude. I don't think so either. I he's think not. he's one of the most genuine dudes who wants to go out and help people. The problem is you start getting sponsors. Correct. Sponsors, Are they those type people. of people? Right. Uh, I would think that this is a genuine attempt um, from his camp. I can't speak to the sponsors and all the other people that probably have tagged along um, to, to bring some awareness to kids that otherwise wouldn't get it. When we played, you could go to five-star. Like I had, my uncle was a dentist, like my parents didn't have the money. Um, and so if I had just played in South Florida, no one would have ever seen me play basketball. No matter how good I was, there was no reason for them to come down to my school and see. So my, he sponsored me, sent me to five star, whether I was good enough to be there or not, every college coach is there to see Vince Carter, who was there and everyone else. So if I play well, they see me. That doesn't really, you don't have the same opportunity now because they have like the Adidas gauntlet, right? Like yeah. that's this, all the Adidas shoe teams, like, and they play in one place, you know, a few times in the summer. The Nike EYBL circuit, all the Nike shoe teams play in this one place a few times a summer. And, and so they're super exclusive, right? They're Invite super only. Exclusive. Yeah, you can't get into those if you're a regular Joe, right? right? But college recruiters spend most of their budget just going to those because it's the biggest accumulation of the best talent. If you don't make those teams, it's that much harder for you to be seen by those dudes. So I do appreciate, as an underrated cat who had only mid-major options, and wound up being a pro. Like I appreciate his efforts here. Yeah, I do too. Uh, what do you got a story for us, Coca? No, we were talking. We were talking about the underdog thing with the Sean Payton and getting motivated. When I was in high school, uh, our football coach came in and was like, "Everybody thinks you guys are underdogs. Everybody, they're trying to bury you." And he came in with a shovel and he just started hitting things with shovels. We got smoked. <laughs> by like 30. It was so, it was so bad. There was so much broken stuff in our, in our locker room from this shovel and we just got smoked. So it, it, it doesn't work for everybody. It was kind of like, and actually I give Debo credit because we tweeted out something beginning of football season and it was a high school team that's singing in there and now it's a commercial. Yeah. I think it's like for youth football for NFL mm -hmm. and there's the team sitting in their locker room and one dude starts singing and he's like, we read it. And right, the right. whole team starts singing it and they're all like jacked yeah, up. Yeah, I've seen that. Somebody on our thing and I had to double check this said that team got smoked that's after they went out took the field. So motivational tactics are all hey. good, but when somebody hits you in the mouth and they start playing, it, all that stuff doesn't really matter. I don't know why, but I always feel like when I'm out there on a court or a field and teams come out singing and chanting, like I, I always tell my kids, like I ask them, why would they be doing that? And my kids will tell you because they don't believe they can beat you. Like I always, it's just old school, but I felt like if you were confident in what you could do, you don't need to be singing and telling the whole gym. Right. You just go out there and handle your business. Exactly. Right. Like walk off and big carry a big stick. Guy. Let's exactly. go. Exactly. Let right? your actions speak the loudest. Right. Um, speaking of action. So we've, we've seen a new movement among the NFL, NBA of players taking political stances, mm -hmm. right? And they're being more vocal about some of their beliefs, which is all good. And I think sometimes we put them out there and we call those actions heroic, which, you know, you can, everybody has their own beliefs. Sure. I think when you look at what, what's happening with the Nez Cantor for the New York Knicks, it's like a whole different world Man. of you talking about being brave and taking a stance. Yeah. Because he is actually not going to travel with the Knicks to the UK for fear of being assassinated by the Turkish government, which is next level type stuff. And if you followed this at all, it's been really Really controversial. So much to the point, like, you wonder if the U.S. is going to do anything to step in and try to protect him, And aside from just a trip to, to the U.K. Right. Because he's been disowned by his family. There's a dictator that's running the government right now, and he's been outspoken trying to defend it. 
and here he is, like, worried about his life. And the NBA saying, no, you're not going. It is a crazy story. Yeah, from what I understood, they, like, they imprisoned his dad. And his dad was, like, almost forced to come out and disown him. Like, I know Ennis. Ennis was, like, he was one of my rooks when we were in uh, Utah. So yeah. he was pretty tight with his family. So for that, you know, that's a really interesting thing for the family to have to come out and kind of be forced to disown a kid. But this is real life. And not only, like... So, all right, let's backtrack. We were talking to Rip yesterday. Yeah. The level of security surrounding, like, NBA trips abroad, not even NBA trips abroad, NBA trips to your any given city. Yeah. The level of security there is pretty high. Like, you don't always see it, but there there is a lot of stuff going on security-wise to make sure players are safe and these investments are protected. So if you're taking a trip to Europe, like, you better believe that they're out there and they're in the field and they're doing all due diligence to make sure that this is safe. The NBA has signed off on this cat not going to Europe. There's a real, there's a real threat. This is real life, like, potential here. And so, I fully support him not going, but there are times where, like, because we live in America and we're dealing with our, you know, problems, um, we start to think that they're the biggest problems in the world. And sometimes things like this happen, and it gives you some real, like, insight into what, like, other people in other countries have to deal with and some of the real problems that are out there in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, imagine, Imagine fearing coming to back to the United States because right. the current president would have you and assassinated. You because, like it's it's really it's your family. You know, yeah, it's, it's all you know. It's a sad thing, dude. And Ennis yeah. is a good dude. He's been a good pro. Um, you know, I'm not into the political thing in Turkey. I don't know. Right, I'm not that aware. I, I, I don't of what's know it either. Uh, but it's sad. It's yeah. sad, and it kind of puts in perspective some of the stuff that like we as Americans and when we be and complain about some of our stuff especially as it pertains to sports and safety and stuff I have to deal with. Yeah, Cantor said, if I'm in America, I feel safe. But if I step outside America, it will be a very dangerous situation. I'm facing lots of arrest warrants. So pretty scary stuff from him. Who's My that? man, Freddie Kitchens, head oh, coach of Cleveland Browns. It looks like he hasn't missed many mac and cheese right. opportunities. He is one of the hires that is not because he's good looking, which is kind of refreshing because that's the accusations that are being made around Matt LaFleur and uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Right. But the reason he was hired is because – reportedly of his relationship with Baker Mayfield, which I think it should be part of the conversation. I don't think it should be the only part of the conversation. Right. Where you kind of trust the Browns and John Dorsey be like, all right, I'll bet they talk to him. And maybe you don't even have to talk to Baker Mayfield. You can just watch the way the last eight games of the season and see how it unfolded. And you can witness a relationship taking place just from being around it. And obviously they have a good rapport for each other. Obviously Baker did not like Hugh Jackson. Yeah. So if that's part of the decision and why you made it is because he has a good relationship with Baker Mayfield, then I think it's a smart decision. Yeah, me too. There's some guys and quarterbacks, uh, players in general that like you would want to marry someone that helped them with their skill set. Right, especially if they were young, you would want to kind of hitch them to someone that could help them do that. And then there are guys that not only would you want someone to help them with their skill set, but you know that if you get the wrong personality in there, said player has a friction like like a friction heavy personality where yeah. he could get sideways with someone. So you want to marry him for for their their personality types too. So a baker who's already showed you that if he doesn't like a guy, like he'll get sideways with them a little bit. Right. Then this is a good hire because he's already got a relationship. There seems, you know, he's he's had a lot of success under him and so you get a, a two for one. Like he's going to help him with the skill set, he's comfortable with that, but he's the right personality for Baker. And this is also one of the like we were talking about how if you fire a coach, you better have a plan and like the turnover that takes place. Yeah. You have some continuity because I think for a young quarterback, the first thing like you have to learn is your own, your playbook. So Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, they get there. The minute they're on there, they're given this huge playbook. It's probably three or four inches thick, and they just sure. got to study it. And that's all they have to do. And you're trying to cram and get up to speed. And then usually by, like, November, you're probably starting to breathe a little bit easier. Like, okay, I recognize something. Yeah. 
What is Sam Darnold getting? He's getting an entirely new playbook. Adam Gase going to have to sit him down. He's going to have to do it all over again. I Josh Rosen, imagine. Cliff Kingsbury is going to sit down and have to do it all over again. Baker Mayfield, now he's starting to fine-tune where he's been. Right. And he already knows all the – now he's, like, taking it to the next level, and he's getting more familiar with the system. Where I think that's a huge part of, like, why this is one of the decisions I like because there's going to be continuity. Now you shake up the defense – and I do think it was the best thing to get why, Greg Williams. Do you really? I was going to ask you that. Like, why, why well, couldn't you have just kept the staff? Like, because I think he's the type of guy, and you watch Hard Knocks, right? Yeah, he's a shelf life on that. Yeah, I think he wants to be a head coach. And right. you don't want a guy who's second guessing your man. No, no, no. But why, but why not? Could have been better. If the recipe worked this year, Greg Williams was the head. Right. Right. And Kitchens was the OC. Here's like, why. why can't you keep it the way it was? Because Freddie Kitchens probably would have gotten an opportunity. He was going to bounce. Else. Yeah. I think he would have gotten a job, which is kind of similar. Had he interviewed anywhere? No. Like, no, but he just was well, probably had a good agent, probably floated it. it out there too. Right. So he got the head job. But the same thing happened with, uh, do you remember Lovey Smith was the head coach of the Bucks, and they fired him to elevate Dirk Cutter right. to be the offense? He was the offensive coordinator. They elevated him to be a head coach because they were worried they were going to lose him. How'd that work out exactly. They fired him last <laughs> <laughs> season. And he got another OC job. So it's just all these things. I wish I could tell you I love or hate him. This one I do like. Yeah. But who knows? It's such a crapshoot. Like so many of these are either going to work or they're not, and you just you don't know a lot of times. For a lot, for, you know, for the reasons I laid out, I think it's one of the reasons yeah. I do like it, but yeah. it'll be, I'll have to see how it plays out. But I do think that roster is talented, which is probably the most thing, uh, that matters. Alright, welcome back to Ellen Bell. So college football has seen, college basketball too, have seen this kind of new trend, which has taken past over the five, last five, five years or so. Yeah. It's always been around, but mm-hmm. I think it's really like reached this point where it happens more often than not. And that's transferring schools. If you don't get a job, if you're not happy where you are, you go about somewhere else. Sometimes you have to sit out. Sometimes you don't. Jalen Hurts is one of those guys. There was a lot of speculation. What would he do? He was back up at Bama, you know, played awesome there, then got benched last year in the championship game. A lot of people thought he would transfer this past season. He didn't. He stayed. Most importantly, he graduated. Yeah. So that means now he can leave and he can step in and play somewhere else. Sure. So that's He announced that yesterday that he's going to look on for another opportunity, which I think I think it's probably the best. Like, I actually like the way he played this out. Stuck around, soft, maybe get a chance to play if Tua got hurt. He did play some. Yeah. Maybe win another national championship. He got to play in the SEC championship game, had like a legendary moment in that game. Sure. Back against Georgia. And now he's got his degree, and he can go play somewhere else. Doesn't have to sit out of here. The only thing I would have liked better is if he had retained his red shirt this year, and he could have left and had two more years to play somewhere else. Preferably at the University of Miami. <laughs> right. They don't currently have a quarterback. And so for all that anyone's ever said about Jalen, like I know, you know, he wasn't the most gifted like pocket passer and so on and so forth. His career stats are 62.9% completion percentage, uh, 48 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And he's a gangster with his legs. Yeah. So like I think there's some opportunity for him to go play at a major program and, and finding the right fit is the key now. Whenever you transfer, um, you're taking a chance, like him not so much because you've got your degree already, but you want to make sure you find the right fit for you. Yep. You know, because if you transfer and you don't find the right fit, that's it. You're stuck. So you've got to find the right situation. For his skill set, for his personality, just coaching styles, all that. Sure. It was funny because a buddy of mine was at the media day for the championship game, and I had just interviewed Jalen Hurts. He's like, hey, did you recruit him to Florida State? I'm like, no. Is he leaving? He's like, oh, the speculation. I'm like, is he going to go to Florida State? Yeah. He's like, there's speculation. You saw the odds up there, Florida State 7 uh 750 to one, uh, plus 750 for him, not, to, uh, plus 750 for him to go to Tallahassee. Right. 
Uh, the leader in the clubhouse is Houston, which I think is interesting. Is from Houston. Dana Holgerson. Is that his hometown? I think he's from I think, Dana Holgerson. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. He's from Houston. just outside of Houston. Yeah. It is his hometown, so he's speculation to go there. Maryland, obviously, a plus 400 because of Mike Loxley, his offensive coordinator. He picked two <laughs> over you, bro. Don't No, don't do that. And if you're going to go to Maryland, you might know him, but there's not that great of talent yeah, on man. that roster. Uh-uh. If you really want to go there. Uh-uh. I actually think... UCLA makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly and his system, I think, could fit really well for him. But it's going to be one of the most watched free agent you know, yeah. moves this offseason sure. in college football. There was another one in DeAndre Francois, the quarterback of Florida State. There was a lot of speculation. What was he going to do? Was he possibly going to transfer after, you know, not living up to the expectations at Florida State? They've struggled a little bit. You know, the coach that he went to play for, Jimbo Fisher, is long gone. Right. You know, maybe it's a bad fit. So literally the same day – that you see Jalen Hurts announce his, you know, tr- intent to yeah, transfer. He's in the Jay- portal. DeAndre Francois is like, I'm staying. You better not come here. I'm going to be the quarterback <laughs> in Tallahassee, which I think is interesting. I think guys are kind of like staking their territory. Saying, sure. Hey, if you're going to come here, you're going to know you're going to have to beat out me. Which one of those two is better? Um, you know, it's, it's, I know I put you in a spot, but no, like, no, because I think they're kind of similar. Their yeah. style of play is similar. Danny just doesn't want to get passed. You no, see that? He doesn't no, want to no, get no. passed. Come on, Jalen. Oh, look at that. Eighth on the list right there. DeAndre Francois. Whoa, he is getting tight on there. I used to be number two. Look at all these dudes that passed up me in the last, all these years. Um, I think Jalen Hurts track record as a leader is kind of the, some of the stuff he accomplished. He's much more accomplished. I mean, I've kind of, I'd like to see a shakeup if, or I'd like to see competition. Get yeah. them both out there and then see how it rolls. And I think Jalen, um, this isn't a comparison between him and DeAndre Francois, but just what you you alluded to his track record, like whoever gets him um, is getting like real value, not just in what he produces and 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 can do on the field, but you know the type of leader that he is. You know, like he yeah. just went through some real life changing type of like dynamics there, where you get replaced by a guy, you've got to figure out who you are as a man, and you stuck that out. And you know, he's been in massive ball games, he's produced in massive ball games since he was a true freshman, so. I think anybody would be lucky to get him. And my advice to him would be to make sure you choose wisely what the best situation for you is going to be. Yeah, for sure. Not about it. No, um, let's see. We'll be on top of that. We'll keep you guys posted. Uh, when you talk to the media, what was your relationship like with the media? Did you like doing interviews? Yeah. Did you, you like the, I did. the media? Cause I always thought like maybe one day, maybe one day, like right. I'd have a chance to try it at least. So like I always respected somebody having to do their job and I liked the back and forth a little bit, you know? I hated it. Yeah. I knew all, most of those guys were ripping me when they, you know, like in yeah. their columns, they were writing, they were probably trashing me. So I kind of had this like, oh, I have to do it. But I like, I had a good relationship with them, but yeah. in the back of my mind, I'm like, I really don't like these dudes. I always felt like if I had a better relationship with them, they wouldn't be so quick to absolutely eviscerate me. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause there's some real, there's some personal absolutely. stuff that drives some of that too. So I always tried to be like really But I was cool Mr. Nice Guy and they still threw me under the bus <laughs> over and over again. But I do think like Bobby Bowden at the end of his career, yeah. I think he didn't get criticized as harshly as he would have if he had been a jerk to the media. Right. He was one of the nicest guys ever to the media. Sure. But I definitely think when I talked to the media that I gave, I didn't give them anything. I didn't give them a lot of good quotes. I was nice. I would give them answers, but I wouldn't give them anything. A lot of times you resort to the cliches, sure. like, hey, well, they'll be, what are the keys of the game? Like, oh, I'm not going to throw any interceptions. Can't turn the ball over. Right. Protection, all that stuff. So the NHL actually has confirmation of this that a lot of their players actually admit to only giving cliche really? answers and that's all they would give. Yeah. And you could kind of play a game with it. like, if you listen to Russell Wilson for the Seattle Seahawks, 
the only thing he gives you is cliches and they're just really packaged really nice and he presents yeah. them really well. But then if you go back away from the interview, like, what did he really say? It's nothing. nothing at all. Which is your job as a franchise quarterback to do that. That's why I think you should base every quarterback training on how to packages. deal with the media is you say, go watch Russell Wilson. That's how you should do it. It's all in the packaging, right? Cause there are plenty of NBA guys that do it too. Um, and they never get fined. And then you get Rashid who goes up there. Do you remember Rashid Wallace? Yeah, of course. Uh, both teams played hard. <laughs> yeah. Both teams played hard. Right. Like, so how many different cliches do I have to give you to not get fined? Right. You got fined for that. So if I give one cliche, you're going to find me. If I give you five cliches. He got cliched for doing that. He got, well, yeah. that was all he was given though. Just that. He was only given the one. So I that guess. That was the only like, statement he was making. Here's my question. You got to package it nicer. You package it fine. All right. But like, if I package it and I, and I, if you ask me a question and I just say both teams play hard and I say it in a nice way. Right. Are we good? How many cliches do I have to give you? What, how many do you need before I don't get fined? <laughs> if I'm not going to say anything anyway. You have to play the game. Here's the thing. Cause I think this is where the players are in a no-win situation. Yeah. We're going to criticize them. A lot of people say, oh, they only give cliches. If they came out and really spoke their mind, you, people are like, I can't believe he said that. Why is he talking about, about the other team? Why is he giving a bulletin more material? If you talk about other players nice, like LeBron does, they say, oh, you're tampering. You want to play with them. Players are really in this situation where they really can't win. No, you might as well just give cliches. Right. Cause <laughs> then you fly under the radar and you just kind of go about your business, which is exactly what the leagues and your owners want you to do. Is just yeah. don't ruffle any feathers. Don't make any waves. See how I'm doing the cliches right now? Yeah. Like, that's what they want you to do, though. For I real. Like, I like to give quotes. Like, I had, when they wanted me to come back to Utah, like, well, they didn't want me to come back to Utah. Like, I had another year on my deal, and it was like, is he going to come back? Is he not? And we were trying to figure it out, and they were like, you can come back, but you can't talk about what happened last year. And I was like, then I'm not coming back. <laughs> that was all you needed to hear. <laughs> Good stuff. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes.